0: Ohio Ministries is here for the local church. We're here to empower our leaders so that they can live into the God call. We're here to equip the leaders and the church and we're here to see the Kingdom of God expanded. There's a lot of organizations when you're planning a church or when you're beginning, there are a lot of organizations that want to be a part of that, but really what they want is something from you. At Ohio Ministries it's about what can we do for you. Our focus is really outward focused, not inward focused. It's it's moving away from a church centered model to a kingdom centered model where Jesus is really at the core of everything that we do. There's this passion in Ohio that congregations and leaders are better together. So when we say we're better together we're talking about the resources that we can pull together the way in which we can encourage one another so we're not forgotten out on some island alone by ourselves but where we can recognize that we're part of a family. What excites me is uh, just knowing that there's a network of uh, professionals who are there when we need them to uh, help support us. They are intentional about bringing people together to connect with each other under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. I graduated from Bible school, I needed a partner in ministry. When my church was going through something and I was a first time pastor, I needed a partner in ministry. When we needed funding, I needed a partner in ministry. That's what Ohio Ministries is all about. How do we come and partner with you? I think if churches embrace that partnership, that they're not alone, that somebody's still praying for them, fasting with them, walking along with them, And that's what we do best, and that's what I know we will continue to do better in the future. Good morning, church. It's so good to be here this morning. I celebrate being here at Meadow Park this morning because I know this church has made some significant commitments to one another and to our Lord. And one of those commitments is that you will be a church focused on being disciple makers Uh, disciple making church. Uh, And you are a church uh, along with 130 other congregations in Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio that have this year signed on and said, count on us, we want to be disciple-making churches. Churches that live out the great commission that Jesus gave us to live out, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations. And, uh, and I celebrate that you are part of a network, and we're gonna focus on that together. Uh, I'm delighted that Cocoa Ministries and, and the Indiana and Michigan folks, we've, we've joined forces, because we know this. Coming out of COVID, And this isn't different than going in, but we're more aware of it perhaps. That coming out of COVID, the church cannot stand uh, together if we are isolating and insulating ourselves. We have to be a network, we have to be partnering together in order to reach the world. It is too big of a stance, it's too big of a project for any one congregation to do. But together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, We can make a difference. We can win the lost. We can seek out the lost and bring them to Christ. And we can disciple them so that they too become disciples of Jesus Christ. And in the discipling of Jesus Christ, they too will win others to Christ and disciple them until the third and fourth generation of disciples is made. So I celebrate that with you, uh, that that you are part of that con- that great network that we are developing, believing this, that as we network together, other congregations, other church groups, even, other folks will say, "We want to be a part of that too. That's really what we need to be a part of as well. So thank you for joining that story and being a part of that. Well today I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about the hypocrite within us. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that an interesting thing on Palm Sunday to try to do? The, what about the hypocrite within us? The hypocrite within us lives in that place that's between a rock and a hard place. You know, and Jesus uh, on Palm Sunday, as he was riding into town, he got met with some detractors. And they said, what do you think you're doing there? And to which he replied, hey, listen, I can't stop the crowds. If I were to stop the crowds from crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'll tell you what, there would be the rocks would even cry out. But also, the hypocrite within us, on the one hand, wants to be part of the party. But on the other part, there's part of us that would be part of that mob on Friday that would say, take him down. Crucify him. We can't can't handle that much power among us. How do we deal with the hypocrite within us? On uh, Jesus' gives us some handles on that in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 37. And if you have your Bible or you have your phone or whatever, if you want to go there, we'll have it on the screen as well. But, but Jesus, in this passage, he says a, power, he a powerful three verses that I believe are, that speak to the hypocrite within all of us and give us some hope. It's, it's truth spoken with love. Jesus starts out this passage by saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather you, your children together as a hen protects his chicks, her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. As, you, as we look at this passage of scripture, we see here, first of all, that Jesus laments over this great city, the city of Jerusalem. Jesus laments over the holy city, the city that was set apart uh, from the time of King David. And, to, and even today, when you visit that, you get a sense that this is a special place. For this is the place, this place on planet Earth, that God said, I choose to make my footstool. I choose to be that place that I will dwell and it's, it's that place where people went for to sacrifice, to get right with God. It's that place that they went when they wanted to learn about God. They would go to the holy city. And Jesus looks, many, many scholars think that Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, which, uh, which is where this shot is taken, overlooking the Kidron Valley up into the, into the, uh, the walls of the city. And Jesus laments over the holy city. That means he cried. Jesus doesn't cry very often, or at least he's not—he's not shown as crying a lot. But he cries here. He cries over this holy city, this city that has disappointed the heavenly Father time after time. They've been given time after time opportunities to hear from God Himself, and they would not. In fact, they would reject. So Jesus laments. He laments the past sins of this city. And he laments the present sins of the city. And he laments those who live in that city, who have chosen to live as hypocrites instead of the real deal. Now you ask, what is a hypocrite? Oh, I know, we all think we know. And in fact, surveys are are done about people in churches and what people who are not in church think about people in church. You know what the number one thing that they say is a problem? We're a bunch of hypocrites. Now I don't feel that way. Do you? Oh my goodness, you don't feel like, well, "Hey, you know, what that's very unfair." Maybe there's some fairness to that. Maybe we need to examine that a little bit. What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Well, the word hypocrite comes from the Greek theater in which the actors were called they were called hypocrites because they would wear masks. Isn't this a cool mask? Yeah, we picked this up in Korea. (laughs) But uh, but they would put on wooden masks like this and they would manipulate the mask to portray the character that they were trying to show, uh, they were trying to be. Masks are an interesting thing. We've certainly got acquainted with masks this last year, haven't we? I kind of have a love-hate relationship with a mask. There's a sense in which I just hate them, you know, they bother me. I can't remember to get them, even though I've got a dozen or more of these masks hung, different sizes, different shapes, different colors, hung by my garage door, you know, so I can grab one on my way out the door. You know how many times I have forgotten those uh, to grab a mask? Anybody here? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you run into a store and you go, "Oh wait a minute! Wow, I forgot! I gotta go get! I gotta run back out of the car and get a mask." So I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them because I hate, I hate them. And and sometimes you know you breathe in and breathe out and you go, "Whew! I ate garlic for lunch. That's not good." <laughs> I'd rather be sharing it with you, you know. Uh, but we hate those things. But you know, there's something about it I kind of like. I like it that I can put it on. Oops! and when I put it on, you really don't know, you really don't know what I'm thinking. You just see the mask. Could be that way. I could turn it upside down too. We don't know. In fact, I found that on a Saturday afternoon when I've got my icky sweats on and my hair's not washed, haven't really gotten ready for the day, you know, but i got to go to the store and get some stuff. This mask comes in heaven. <laughs> Stick a mask on, throw some glasses on, put a hat on, and I am incognito. Nobody knows me. It's all a pretense. That really is what the mask is all about, isn't it? Not, not for the, and I'm not talking about, I'm not getting into that conversation about uh, the political conversation about the goodness or badness of wearing a mask. It's, right now, we got to do that. But I think Jesus is talking about the love-hate relationship we have with a mask that goes over our souls. When sometimes we want to pretend that all is well. When sometimes we want to pretend that things are, that, that things are good with us in Jesus. And we haven't really spoken with him for a long time. When we want to pretend that we've got it all together. When we want to pretend that we're right and y'all are wrong. There's a song that's, uh, that's played on the radio that says this. It's, uh, Casting Crown sings it. It's called Start Right Here. It says this. We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on a screen. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pocket. We keep our missions overseas. But are hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? <laughs> but we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if you want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. If you were in the crowd that day, where would you be in the crowd? Would the hypocrite within us be going, it oh, sounds a little bit too much like me? Are there places in us that need a cleansing from the Lord, that need and the mask needs, the pretense needs to come off? Well, I want you to know something. Jesus said those words, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said those after he had just pronounced six, what's called the six woes, in which, you know, woe to you, hypocrites. You think you're all that and, and and a bag of chips, and you're nothing like that. In fact, you're just, you're just, You're just dead bones, dressed up to look pretty. He said six different phrases of that. But he follows this by saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He says, this is who you are. But I want you to know something. I long to gather you. I long to gather you together. Now, I don't know about you. And this is where I think really Jesus just flips the script on this whole thing. Because if I were in charge, if I were the Messiah, I have to tell you something. If I looked out at the enemies that were around me and I knew that they wanted to to torture me and kill me and get rid of me, and I had all power and might within my hands, there would be a temptation to go, zap, zing, pow, you're done. You're out of here. I'll take you out in one fell swoop. But that's not Jesus', that's not Jesus way when he looks at the hypocrite within us. He says this, I just long to gather you. I long to gather you like a hen would gather her chicks. You know, when you think about that, the hen gathering her chicks, that's, that's, a, that's a real feminine image. It's the, you know, the mama love is shown there. And I want you to know something. A lot of images you see in scripture are those very masculine images, and they're wonderful images. But I just, I feel really drawn to this because I can understand this. I know what a mother's love is. It's that sense that I'll do anything for you. I'll walk across, I'll walk through fire to save you. I'll do whatever it takes. And so when I, see, when I see problems showing up, when I see danger in the midst, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna try to gather you. I'm gonna try to spread those wings and protect you. It's that mama instinct that says, when the night's coming, I'm calling you in. You don't need to be afraid. I'll be right here for you. That's our Jesus. He loves us. Whether whether we're in love with him or not, he's in love with us. And he says, I long, I have longed to gather you and bring you close to me. I want to be in relationship with you. And then Jesus says, but you would not. You see, it is a choice with all of us. We all have this choice. Will we gather with Jesus or will we wear a mask and pretend that all is well? Jesus says, you would not. And because you would not, he goes on to say this, that there is impending loss coming your way. Impending loss coming your way. Your house will be abandoned. Uh, the place will be Desolate. Now uh, we know in history that in A.D. seventy, that this was a prophecy that came into fruition for the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem, this proud place, this place that called itself the the footstool of God. This place was was attacked by the Romans. They laid siege on the on the city, and in laying siege on the city, they broke it down, and they broke down the walls of the of the. Of the city. They broke down and tore up the temple so that today only one thing remains of that temple, and that is the Western Wall, which is still revered today among the Jewish population. But they broke down everything else and they grabbed up the inhabitants of that city and flung them across the world. And Jerusalem was abandoned. But more to the point, Jesus, I believe, was looking at those who were there in the crowd, and he was saying, not only are we going to lose this great city because you will not gather to me. You will not honor me as Messiah. I mean, I know you say every year, next year in Jerusalem, the Messiah is coming. We just got to keep looking for him, but you haven't been looking for me, and so you haven't seen me. He's saying I know that. And so this city is going gonna, is, is gonna to be bad for this city. And it's going to be bad physically for you. But he looked deeper and he looked into their souls and he said, your souls have been abandoned by God because you would not gather, because you chose to pretend instead of have the real experience. Uh, Pascal said this, there is a vacuum there is a vacuum-shaped place in all of our hearts that only God can fill. And when Jesus looked into them, even as Jesus looks into us, if he sees pretense, if he sees the mask covering us, covering our souls, he says, I got no choice. You kicked me out. I've abandoned this place. Those are harsh words spoken in love. They are truth spoken in love. And those are hard to swallow, I think, for most of us. But I want you to hear some good news. Jesus ended his public ministry with these words Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and lamented. And he said, I want to gather you, but you would not. And now you're going to have troubles. I remember in in my life, uh, one time, it's been a few years ago, but I was going through one of those times in my life where I just knew that I needed to be closer to the Lord. And I wasn't. And I heard the Lord say to me, Esther, there are things I want to give you, but I cannot unless you obey me. I've learned a lot from that moment that there are things the Lord wants to give us, he wants to give us his presence. He wants to give us his power, his glory. He wants to give us his freedom. He wants to give us the sense of, satis- of forgiveness and hope. But he can't if we won't obey, if we won't listen to him, if we, if we demand that we will live in a world of maskness of our souls. But here's the good news. There's this little five-letter word that Jesus says there. He says, until, until you will not see me again. Not as if they actually, truthfully, they hadn't really seen him at all yet. But he says, you won't see me again until. I want you to celebrate today that God has not given up on us. That no, none of us have gone so far that there can't be forgiveness and renewed hope. And that the hypocrite within us can be thrown out the door. There is hope for you and for me because of that word until. Until. That means that, that this may happen over here, but there is hope over here. Until. And he says this. Until you say. With the crowd. Join the crowd and say, blessed is he. Who comes in the name of the Lord? Blessed is he who uh, who has legitimate faith and comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, and he who gives us who gives us legitimate faith. Blessed is he, blessed. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Sometimes I just have to tell myself, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Let him know that he is mighty and powerful among us. He is the Messiah. He is our hope. He is our dream. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he comes in the name and in the power of the Lord. And as we we do that, I think that that gives us opportunity to begin to live beyond hypocrisy. And live in authenticity. How do we do that though? Here's four things I want you to remember today. To live beyond hypocrisy. First is we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. The, uh, the apostle Paul wrote these words. At the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue declare. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. What he's saying there is that there is coming a time when everybody's going to recognize it. So let's get on board a little early and let us be the people who say at the name of Jesus, we will bow. We are going to say that you are Lord, not me. I'm not Lord. I'm not in charge. I don't have power. You have power. And uh, because of that, Lord Jesus, I name you Lord and Savior. Jesus calls us to acknowledge that he is Lord and then scripture, scripture also teaches us to be, not just to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and we are not. Hypocrisy wants to pretend we are, but we are not in charge. It also says we are called to be authentic, to be real, to get away from the mask, to take the mask off. The psalmist says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. That's a deep prayer to ask God to just search you. Really look through your whole life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Giving God permission to just search through us and find those places of hypocrisy, those places where we've been pretending when we could be real, those places that need forgiveness to search us. St. Augustine said this. He said, grant, Lord, this was his prayer, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. You see, when we know who we really are, and we're not trying to be somebody else, but be the person God has created us to be by his grace, then we can know God more intimately as well as we take off the mask. Third thing is to be confessing praying and repenting. Just call this your CPR. This is what gets your heart going back again. It is to be confessing. Scripture teaches us this. If we confess with our, uh, confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we confess to Jesus our sins. Just name them one by one. Here I've I've let you search me, and you've made me aware that this is a place that I need to work on, and I and more than that, I need your forgiveness. Then James, though he he teaches us something else about confessing. He says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see, there is something powerful about not just confessing to God, the father and Jesus, the son and the Holy spirit. There's about, about taking ourselves humbly to the Lord. There's also something powerful about confessing to one another on this journey. Now, I'm not saying you should confess to everybody you meet. That might be dangerous because not everybody's worthy of that confession. But the scripture does say you can go to the elders of the church and confess to them. You can go to people who've been on the way of Jesus and seeking to live authentically with Jesus. And you can trust them with your confession. And when you do that, there's healing that happens. Not because... not because they, they know so much, but because they've been on journey too. And they can walk with you and say, we understand your pain. And we'll pray with you. We want you to have victory over this. Confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. And then scripture goes on to say, so, as, so our, pray, our confession is praying. And as we pray, we, we hear this from Jesus. He says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance that means simply this we if we want to be authentic we want to acknowledge jesus as lord and savior we want to be authentic we have to confess we have to pray and we have to repent repent means this i was going this way i was I was bound and determined to go my own way and I found out that this was a wrong direction to go. This was the way that will take me to desolation and to abandonment of God. And so I repent and turn 180 and head down a new direction and say, I will not go that way again. Repent. Confess, pray, repent. And the fourth thing I want to bring to you today to live beyond hypocrisy, to throw the hypocrite within us out the door is to simply say, I will bless the Lord. The psalmist says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Isn't that a great thing to think about? I will bless the Lord. I don't, you know, some days I don't feel all that good. And I and I have to say, bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. Some days I feel really great and I get to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Some days I can be discouraged and I have to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Some days I'm encouraged and I say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Whatever it is continually, whether it's a good day, it's a bad day, whether it's a day we celebrate or a day we mourn, we say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And something happens within us. Let's call it mystical, uh, not magical, but mystical that happens within us when we consciously say, we're going to bless the Lord, we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We are seeking to be authentic before him and before others. We're seeking to get rid of the mask. We are willing to be a confessing, praying, repenting people. And when we do that, we can bless the Lord. We can can be people who will grab a palm branch, throw off our jackets and bless the Lord and call him blessed for he does come in the name of the Lord. And we celebrate that today. That's living beyond hypocrisy. And I'm just here to tell you this, hypocrisy is so dull. It's so painful. It's so disappointing. But being real, taking the risk, to be the person that God has created and then in salvation recreates us to be is exciting. It's an adventure. It's hope-filled. It's encouraging to those you meet. They won't feel that you're coming to judge them. They'll feel that you're coming like Jesus to love them. It makes a difference. It makes us disciples. It makes us disciples, able to make disciples The last verse of the song I quoted earlier from Casting Crowns says this, we're the people who are called by his name. If we'll surrender all our pride and turn from our ways, he will hear from heaven and forgive our sins. He will heal our land, but it starts right here. We're the people who are called by his name. If we'll surrender all our pride and turn from our ways, he will hear from heaven and forgive our sins. He will heal our land. It's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. Lord, I'm starting right here. Lord, I'm starting right now. Jesus is still calling out to those of us, to the hypocrite within us. And he's saying, I'm weeping over you. It bothers me that you are missing out. It bothers me. It causes me to weep, says Jesus, that you are living less than I designed you to be. It bothers me. It causes me pain to know that you are killing off the good message that I send. It bothers me to see an emptiness in your soul. But I got good news for you, says Jesus You begin to call on me and I'll come running. Isn't that good news? Jesus is not, he's he's not a hypocrite. He's the real deal. And when we call on him, he comes. He fills that empty place with his joy, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. Why be a hypocrite when we can be the real deal? Would you stand with me and let's pray? Lord Jesus, today, we just want to bring ourselves to you. We ask that you would just search us, oh God. Look through us, through and through. Where are those places that we have sucker punched? (laughs) Those places that we live behind the mask? Free us, Lord, free us today so that we can be the children that say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We want to be a rejoicing people. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.